Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. We hope that this message blesses you today. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There, you can watch our latest sermons online. You can find us by searching for Family Life Church Bloomington. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Family Life B-Town. Thanks again for listening, and have a blessed week. What I want to what I want to say is you have you have a true pastor, um, because when I was talking to him this morning, he said he missed being here while he was away, and that's a true pastor's heart to miss being with the flock that God has set him over. And we're so thankful to be with you all today. And uh, if you'll just help us today and preach with me today and, and, and mix the word with faith. Amen. Mix the word with faith. Believe what is going to be spoken today for you. Amen. I believe I have some words for you today as well. I believe there's things that God dropped into my spirit for Bloomington, and I, I just want to uh, speak these things to you and encourage you. We're going to turn our Bibles to John chapter 4, verses 34 to 38. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. I, I know that you guys have the King James Version there. But it says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. For just a while today, I'd like to speak on this subject the fields are ready to harvest. The fields are ready to harvest. You may be seated. Amen. I want to remind you that there are billions of people in our world, and every day there are many people that are beginning life, being born, and there are others that are dying. That means that everybody that dies is going to face some type of eternal destiny. And it is the responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ to reach these people before they reach that point. We have a mission. We have a field. And our field is the world. We need to reach the world. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33:11, "As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live." And so Jesus doesn't have a desire for anybody to perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. I was thinking about a story when I came here this morning about my brother, my stepbrother. I just come into the church, Brother Noel. I'd just been saved. I was a new convert. I was zealous for the Lord. And I'd gone away on, uh, to visit my dad with my brother. And I had an opportunity. My brother was a Catholic. And I had an opportunity to tell him about New Testament salvation, about being born again of water and of spirit. I was able to declare these words to him. And not too long after that, my brother died of a heart attack in his 40s. 
There's an urgency about sharing the word of God that sometimes we don't take into account. You never know if you're going to see that person again. When God puts somebody on your heart and tells you, speak to that person, don't wait. There may never be another time. You may only have that opportunity to reach that soul. And God wants them to be saved. Scripture tells us clearly that God gives the increase in the harvest of souls. It's a supernatural work that really is beyond our control. We play a part in it, but it's beyond our control. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. So Jesus does the supernatural part, but we have a work to do in sowing into people's hearts the word of God. Five times in the scripture, Jesus commissions his disciples, go and teach all nations. Go and preach the gospel to every creature. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Go and preach repentance and remission of sins in his name among all nations. When you receive the Spirit, you will be empowered to be witnesses for Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, if you're called to the ministry. If you are empowered by the Spirit, if you have received the Holy Spirit, you are a witness. You are powerful. You're powerful in your school, young person. When you walk the halls of those schools, you are the voice to that school. You're the voice to your teacher. You can make a difference. Sometimes we don't understand what God has invested in us. We don't understand the power we have to reach the people around us. I, I want to ask this question. I don't know if, I, I noticed that a lot of your young people are away today, but is there anybody here today that has a campus ministry? Anybody? You have a campus ministry? God is doing something on campuses right here in the United States right now. You have a powerful ministry right now. You have an open field right now. There are young people on campuses who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. They desire to be filled. That thing that happened in Asbury not too long ago where that revival was going on, I felt burdened to pray for those young people over in Toronto. I felt so burdened. I was praying, Lord, give them everything you want for them. Fill them with your spirit. Give them more truth. Just baptize them and set them on fire. That can happen in your campus where you go to school. You have potential to turn your world upside down for Jesus. One of the wonderful things about campuses is that there's international students there. There's people from all over the world. You can reach the whole world from a campus. Open your eyes. Look on the harvest. They are white. The fields are white already to harvest. Jesus said it was his food to do the will and the work of God and to finish his work. When you're hungry, a satisfying meal does you good. Well, it's satisfying to do the will and the work of God. There's nothing like teaching a home Bible study. Me and my wife have taught home Bible studies before. I'll never forget this young Filipina nurse who we were teaching a Bible study to. And every time we just talked about the word of God with her, many times she would just start weeping. 
just the three of us at a table. We went out for dinner one time. We were at a restaurant, and we were encouraging her, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. And she said, during the course of our dinner, she said, I want to get baptized tonight. Well, there was no church service going on that night. There was no, I didn't say wait till Sunday or wait till Tuesday night. I called my pastor and said, look, there's somebody who wants to be baptized tonight right after dinner. Can we bring them over? He said, as long as you fill up the tent, brother, or the tank, Brother Dallas. And that's what we did. We went and filled it up. We have a hose. We don't even have a, a baptismal where the water continually flows. I had to sit there with a hose. But anyways, we baptized that young lady in the name of Jesus because she was ready that time. There's work to be done. There's labors to be done. And it's satisfying to reach hungry souls. Think of the times where people have come to this baptismal tank, and they've come out of those waters with joy on their face. Those baptismal waters can continually be troubled. There's enough people in Bloomington that, that you'll never run out of people to baptize. There'll never be, you'll never run out of enough people to see in these altars and be filled with the Spirit. They're everywhere. Church, we must finish the work that Jesus already started See, one of the amazing things about Indiana is it has such a history of the apostolic faith. And there's forefathers of the faith. Brother Haywood's church is still around when you drive in Indianapolis. Oh, that, that, that church was a, is a powerful church. They have invested in this place. There are many people who have invested in Indiana. And God wants to continue to work through generations until he returns. And there are people that have invested in this field, and you're re you can reap the benefits of this field. Both Jesus and Paul understood that their whole life's purpose was to finish what they had begun. When Jesus was bidding farewell to his disciples, he said, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And Paul wrote near his closing days, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is a, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not, only, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There's some elders sitting here today. You're getting closer to the end of your course. But there's another generation coming on until the Lord returns. Pray for that generation, that they would, would accomplish the things that you dreamed of. Maybe there's things that you never saw. Remember Abraham? He never lived to see some of the promises fulfilled. But continue to pray for this upcoming generation because there's mighty revival that is going to happen right here in Bloomington, right here in this church. Keep working in the field if your race is not finished yet. Look on the fields. Jesus said four months between planting and harvest, but I say to you, look up, look around. The fields are already ripe to harvest. You know, what we set our eyes on is often where we go. You know when you're driving and then all of a sudden you start looking out the window? My wife hates it. I look all over the place. I look all over the place sometimes other than just looking straight ahead. But the car will, will go to where you're driving. 
It's the same thing with the harvest. You're going to go out into the harvest when you start looking on the fields. When that becomes the most important sight on your eyes, it becomes your, your, your goal. I'm looking for somebody to reach today. I'm looking for someone to talk to. Lord, grant me boldness that I can walk up to that person that I work with and say something about you. Grant me boldness that when I walk down the hallways of my school and I see that young person, they look strange. They have yellow hair. They might have piercings. It doesn't matter. God can completely turn a, a life around. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm here to tell you that God still makes dead things come back to life. Doesn't matter how dead they look. God can turn them around. And so set your eyes on the field. What have your sights been upon lately? Are your eyes on the world? Are they on the news feed? Are they on the social media? Are they on the ball game? Or are they on the harvest? There's so many distractions that take us away from the main thing that we should be doing. And we got to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is souls. The main thing is fulfilling the work that Jesus commissioned us to do. We can get so distracted with little things, little things over here, little things over there that will just take up our time and squash our spirits and quench our spirits and we'll sit there and worry about those things and we'll pray about those things when there's somebody outside saying, I've never heard the message yet. I'm dying in sin. Somebody, won't you please come tell me how to be saved? I challenge you to look on the field, and you'll find that Jesus is working in the field. That's where he is. He's out there. You know, sometimes we do pray for miracles in the church and receive miracles, and we have amazing moves of God. But when God wants to reach somebody, he does spectacular things in the field because it draws attention to him and it enables us to be able to say things for him out there. You, that's why I believe that's what happened at Asbury there. God would, just wants to do something spectacular, and he was drawing people from everywhere. That's the kind of God we serve, and that can happen anywhere where there's a hungry heart. Don't think he's, he's done with Bloomington. He's not. It doesn't matter how many churches there are here. There's always room for growth. There's always room for more. There really is. And I challenge you to look on the field. The Bible tells us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The wor Another translation says the, wor uh, the word became flesh and showed up in our neighborhood. We need to flesh out the word in our neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just to live in your neighborhood but you're to love your neighbor. That's why we're there. We're, we're there to be a light to our neighbors. We're there to reach the people around us. Look on the fields because Jesus is working in your neighborhood. He's already there. He's already dealing with hearts. We don't know. God is a spirit. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's working when we don't even think he's working. He's just waiting for us to work sometimes. <laughs> He's just waiting for us to say something sometimes. He's already dealing with the hearts of your neighbor. And he's just waiting for you to go over there. Where's my hands? Where's my mouth? Where's my feet? Where's my body in the earth today? 
Matthew 13 and 44 says, And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Did you know that there's somebody out there, somebody that you know, that's willing to sell everything they have for Jesus Christ, for this kingdom? You know, sometimes we take it for granted what we have. We live for God for a while, and we're used to the presence of God, and we're used to the moving of the Spirit. But there are people out there that have never felt what you've felt. They've never experienced what you've experienced. And they'll sell everything for that. They've been looking for it. They've been trying to satisfy it with drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and all these other things. They've been trying to satisfy it, but there's a hole in their heart that says, I want what those people have. I want that joy. I want that peace, that fruit that's in them. I want that in my life as well. They're longing for it because you're displaying it before them. And so remember that. You're not just in your school to learn. Jesus has someone for you to reach. You're not just earning a living. That is your field. And we're not just living in a neighborhood. Jesus wants us to love our neighbors. The Bible says that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In many ways... Christians have become comfortable. We've become comfortable about being inside of walls. We have the most freedom here in the West. We really do. No, no, you're not going to go to jail for telling somebody about Jesus. You're not going to be, uh, you may not be beaten by your family or be disowned. God is able to do such powerful things where there's freedom, but many times we don't even use that freedom. And it grieves my heart because I read stories about people from Iran that are risking their lives just to tell somebody else about the gospel. Wives being killed by husbands because they converted and they told their husband. Them being imprisoned and running from authorities just to tell somebody for joy of the salvation they've received. You know, we've actually met somebody that actually was running from the authorities. In Toronto, there's an Iranian work that has started. God is saving Persians in great numbers. Over 50 were baptized in Jesus' name last year alone. 50 Persian people, new converts to the faith, Iranians who have come over to the West to hear this message in freedom. There was a lady at a prayer meeting one time, and we were already there. We were just about to leave, and she came running in with her daughter and just fell down at the altar bench and began weeping. My daughter, we need to pray for my daughter. She's in danger. Little did we know her daughter was running from the authorities. She was running for her life. She had COVID. She was sick, but she didn't want to die for her faith, so she was running. And so we began to pray that day, and we prayed for her. She left in comfort. 
And I remember one day we were worshiping. We had all these different cultural groups together. The Persians come and, and they worship with us. They have their own service in the day, but sometimes they'll come in the morning services and worship with us. And I remember turning around one day, and when I turned around, the lady said, this is my daughter that we prayed for standing here today. Let me tell you, God can preserve lives even in the most dangerous situations. Let's not use our, let's use our freedom that we have wisely and reach people that need this message. We don't suffer like that. We need to be more willing. Lord, help us with so much freedom that you've granted us. Let us get in the field. We need to understand the urgency of the harvest. We can't stay. There's still four months, then comes harvest. But we got to lift up our eyes. Four times in the book of Revelation, we hear Jesus say, I am coming soon. The Bible ends with this appeal to the thirsty soul as a reminder of the soon coming Jesus Christ. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who is here say, come. And let him who is thirsty come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. There is a sense of urgency in Jesus' words in our text. Don't say, I still have four months. Don't say, well, it's almost summertime and we're just going to have a lot of fun. We're going to go camping. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. No, look on the fields because there is a harvest. In fact, wherever you go, keep your eyes open. When you go to the mall, there may be somebody you need to talk to. When you're on vacation, there may be somebody you need to reach. There could be sitting, somebody sitting next to you on an airplane that you need to talk to. Wherever you go, just keep your eyes open on the field. See, the early church heeded to these words of the imminent return of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, this was a major motivator in early Pentecostal revivals. Christ is the soon-coming king. The fields are the ripest that they've ever been. Our church, and I just told you about what happened in our church with the 50 plus souls of Iranians that were harvested just recently. It's not time to get slack. It's time to look on the fields. It's time to be in the harvest. It's not just the work of the Spirit to woo the people towards God. It's the bride has to say, come too. The bride has to say, there's living waters for you. You can come and drink freely. You can receive what we've had. You can receive of this wonderful Spirit. The Spirit and the bride say come. Finally, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Those who sow and those who reap rejoice together in the harvest. The Bible says we're workers together with him. Every one of us here today are workers together. There's no big people and little people. We're all the same. We're all working for the same thing, the expansion of the kingdom of God. And your gifting is going to be a little bit different than my gifting, and my gifting is a little bit different than your gifting. But we're members in particular, but we're still members of one body. And God needs his entire body at work. Whatever you're gifted in, use that. Ask the Lord, Lord, you see my gifting. You know what it is. You've empowered me with a spiritual gift and natural abilities as well. How can I use this 
to reach a lost person. Pray on a daily basis, Lord, I want to reach somebody today. I, I'm, even if you're not a bold person, even if you're a shy person, say, Lord, I need boldness. I need boldness to be able to share this with somebody. What I've received, I want to freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. Offer it to somebody. We have a great responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. If you've received much, if you have much talents, if you have much giftings, there's much required of you. And use all those gifts for the advancement of the kingdom. And God can even add to those gifts. He can even say, well, you've been faithful with a little, so here's more. I'm going to give you more to use. But use those things for the kingdom of God. Paul said his role was to plant and Apollos was to water, but they were working for the same goal. I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. We're one. One people, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labors. Jesus told three stories, one about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, one about lost sons. In each case, the loss being found causes rejoicing. There's rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner that is found. Now, prior to the opening text, Jesus had already begun the work in the field. Prior to John 4, Jesus had already spoken to Nicodemus at night. He met with him in, in, that, in a secret uh, meeting and talked to him. And he met with the Samaritan woman at the well. He was already in the field working. And Jesus is already in this field, Bloomington, working. He's already out there dealing with the hearts of people. He really is. He works through amazing means that we couldn't even imagine. I remember when I was first coming to the Lord, and there was somebody reading their Bible on a go train. It's a train that comes from um, town to town and to, into the city. And I remember God began to deal with my heart about being in church years, many, many years ago. He uses strange things. There was a sticker on my desk at the school I was going to with a cross on it. And I looked down at it, and Jesus began to deal with my heart. Just weird little things like that. You think, oh, it's insignificant. It, it's, not, it's meaningless. But God is out there working by his spirit in ways we don't even realize, preparing the hearts of men, preparing the soil so that when you go and sow that seed, there might be 30-fold, there might be 60-fold, there might be 100-fold fruit in that person. The potential of the soil is amazing that's out there. Jesus showed us the perfect example of mission. It didn't matter whether the person was of high standing in society, whether it was somebody that had a questionable reputation like the woman of Samaria. did not matter. It didn't matter their culture. Nicodemus was a Jew. The Samaritan woman was of a mixed race. Doesn't matter. He wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Doesn't matter what that flesh looks like. Jesus loves each and every one of us the same. And he wants to reach everybody the same. All people matter to Jesus, both male and female. Nicodemus was a male. The lady of Samaria, Samaria was a female. All people are born in sin and need an opportunity to hear the gospel. Jesus is constantly 
extending his grace and mercy. We just sang about it today, the grace and mercy that we've experienced to lost humanity. He loves each and every person so much, he's moved with compassion for lost sheep. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. Pray that the Lord send out laborers into Bloomington. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. There is a need for laborers in Indiana. And Elder, I want you to know that your labor is not in vain. What you've done is not in vain. The rain and the snow comes down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I sent it out, and it will always produce fruit. I will accomplish all I want to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You're the ones who have labored for us, this younger generation. We've entered into your labors. We're reaping the benefits of your prayers, your labors. And thank you for these sacrifices that you've made. But there is another generation rising up. There are young people rising up. And we have the greatest opportunity right now, right here in America, you have a great opportunity right now to reap a harvest where others have already begun to labor. And so I say, open your eyes and look on the fields. They are ripe, already harvest. If you want to be part of God's mission in the field today, would you stand today? And I want that, you to make that your prayer today. When you come down to this altar, Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever my field is, I want to reach a friend. I want to reach a coworker. I want to reach my neighbor, a lost family member, even the nations. You never know what God is going to do with your life. Some of you older men and women, why don't you pray with these ones that come forward, some of these younger people. I know there's not a lot of young people here today, but why don't you pray for them? Lay hands on one of them and ask God, God, use this young person. Why don't you pray for one another and ask, Lord, I want to be used as well to reach others with this gospel. I'm making that invitation today. In Jesus' name.